B, C, A, 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 Welcome everyone to Upping the Stash. I am your host, Uppy. With me as always is the president, co-founder, and CEO, and CFO, and COO of Upping the Stash podcast. We have Donovan Mustache. How are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I thought you were going to add, uh, are you going to add uh, OPP in there as well? I didn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah, you know yeah. me. <laughs> so no, it's great to be back on, man. I love our, our regular weekly recordings. Uh, I really do miss it, and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like I feel like we're like the show Shameless from Netflix, just getting back together again, type of thing. It's it's awesome. Everybody wants to hear it. Everybody wants to see it, but nobody wants to live it. Yeah, right. Definitely. It's fun to come back and just do what we do. Like um, we did the Idiotville special last week. Um, prior to that, we did the NFL kickoff show. And then prior to that, we did four straight um, beer specials. And then we did that emergency like death show. So it's, it's, it hasn't been since the death show that we've just come on and just done our thing. So I'm actually happy to come back and do it the way it's meant to be. So. With that said, uh, what do you got to drink tonight? Well, um, earlier in the day, I was drinking a St. Archer Hazy IPA. Shout out to you, St. Archer Hazy. That was actually a really good hazy to be um, uh, sipping on. It's a 6.2% um, by alcohol. Um, 15 fluid ounces. And I'll just say that it did have a good aroma of of um, fruitiness, grapefruit. You can really get that good sense of smell into it. Um, it did go. It did had a, verse, a very first smooth flavor going down, but then mm. on the back end it was a little bit dry. So um, if you're not into dry uh, IPAs, this was a little more drier of it. Of it, but not not too bad. I I give them give it to them. Um, you couldn't see through the glass so it was a nice beautiful hazy color um and it definitely would be something that i would i'm getting into these hazies i I like them but they make me fat that's the only thing they're great but they make uh donovan mustache gain weight but they're fucking good they're really good that's why some of us don't drink coors original all the time (laughs) (laughs) That's how I maintain my I maintain my um, my bikini figure is through my my course. So if, if you guys ever see my Instagram um, where I model regularly, you would know. That's how I keep it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so so tonight, <laughs> um, there's a brewery and there's. Type of beer has been no stranger to the show. I think in the course of our podcast, podcast is, is history. I have done, I think, number threes, five, seven, and eight, and maybe six. Um, I have Dust Bowl Breweries, a lateral eight. 
And if you remember, recently we did a Dust Bowl show during Beer Week where we uh, tested and tasted lateral number six and lateral number seven. Um, this one's eight, and um, I have no info on it. There's nothing available on their website. Um, I took a little sip at the brewery before I bought it. Or was that or I just got a sight unseen? I'm not sure which one. Probably got a sight unseen. Um, this one, honestly, like, if you remember Stash, letter roll number mm-hmm. seven was a bit weird. Yeah, we couldn't quite put a finger on it. Yeah. Bad, but just a little weird. Um, this one continues that trend. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going for, but I hate to talk bad about anyone, but this one almost has... Like I'm getting a moldy smell. I don't know what it is. It, <laughs> and that's the best way I can describe it. And um, it's not as weird tasting as number seven was, but it's still out there somewhere. I wish they had a description to read from, so I could kind of direct my opinions that way. But um, I'm going to finish the whole can. I got a crowler of it. I'm going to drink all 32 ounces, but... Oh, yeah, go for it, man. Do it. Yeah. Do your thing. So, um, Dust Bowl, go back to what number three and number five were. I mean, those were a little bit more normal yeah. and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These and, later I mean, numbers, these later numbers, yeah, I can probably see where you're going with this. They're not, not as um, drinkable, you know, session-ish type of thing where you want to kind of kind of hang out. And do you feel like that's more of like a a flight type of thing or do you feel it's more of a you can have one beer and then you're like ah, i don't want to do this again i think it's a flight kind of thing okay yeah yeah because um but you know i don't know like those flights can be kind of tricky like i was just down at a contentment brewery um not that long ago and i got a flight of uh six beers and some of them like it, it all depends on how you drink it because some of them, like I would take a few sips. I'm like, Hey, this is not so bad. I might get my growler filled with this, but then I take a bigger drink of it and it's like, Oh wow. The taste completely changed on me. Um, but this one, I mean, you can see my glass. I got my cheers mug from the cheers bar in Boston. I'm not too far into this one, maybe five ounces or so. Yeah. And I would say go, um, if I'm getting the flight of beer, then get that. I'm not sure about going the whole pint right off the bat, but um, everyone's different, which is why there's many kinds of beers. So it may not be my thing, but it's probably yours. So if you're up north here, uh, head out to the Dust Bowl and get you some lateral eight while it's still there. So with that said, I have no idea what's going on tonight. So Stash, (laughs) lead us up. Well, I think it was like a very cold discussion that we were having earlier about, hey, what do we talk about? And if a lot of people don't know and they do know, and if you don't know, you do know now, is that um, Uppy and I are very pro-union. We have have a lot of strong ties in the union practices and the union ways and the union life and the lifestyle that it lives. And the lifestyle that it brings to us is that the union is the way to go. This is how best way to protect your 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 health, your benefits your, your um, labor that you put into things and, and, and how much you should get out of it. Um, it's, this is the way to go. You know, this is the way to the middle class. Um, we're not all going to be rich millionaires. 
You're not going to be those influencers on YouTube that you see that are like the 0.1%. So you join a union, right? Even journalists join unions. Even those who are in startups that happen um, in journalism like Vox join unions because they've noticed that there's a lot of labor uh, that goes into producing the type of work that we all love to read, the type of work that – um, that we want to see and hear that the mainstream media um, has a deficiency in producing and we need it. But they've noticed that they were not getting paid what they should, right? These individuals, they go to school, right? They've, they've um, given up their life for their education. Um, they've given up their life for their practice. And there are a lot of good, great journalists out there um, that have done it and will keep doing it. But they also want to get paid. Shit, who doesn't, right? And another big thing that we've noticed is uh, the United Auto Workers have started a – they're on the number three, the number third day of strike um, in um, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri area. And, and it's very important that we talk about this as, as union workers, as union laborers, uh, what a strike means, right? And so let's – kind of break it down of what a strike means. Okay. So oftentimes as uh, you know, both up, you and I have, have had a lot of experience in, in union work is that um, it takes a lot of work to get to that level of, of a strike. It's not something that union members take lightly. It's not something that union member leader, union leadership take lightly as well. It's, it's, it's thought out. It's talked about, it's discussed both at the leadership level, at the membership level it's something that everybody has to be on board for. It cannot be just a willy-nilly, right? You know the pros. You know the cons. You're, you're, you're gearing up for a PR campaign of what this strike means. You're gearing up for it on the sense on the membership side of, like, why this is important, why we're going to do this now. You know, out of all the years, why does it have to happen now, right? Mm-hmm. You reach a point in your negotiations where you can go at an impasse, Okay, and you can file for an impasse and you can take it to that level of uh, adjudication or you strike. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you, You show them and you say, I will bring this fucking machine to a halt. Right. I will. We will. We will show you that 100 to 150 million dollars a day of our labor can be held to a halt. By us striking on this day, right? If we don't, if, if our 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 um, demands are not met in the same way, your demands are not met during mm. good or bad times. Okay, because it's right. a relationship, and and the union. A lot of people like to think it's adversarial. It's really not. It's really not. There's a lot of push and give and push and shoving and like, okay, we'll give that and we'll step back. And, you know, we're willing to tighten the belt during weak times. And, you know, times where like, we're, we're saying, Hey, uh, money is not where it needs to be right now or the economy. And then can we tighten our belt? Yes. We'll help you tighten our belt. You know, as long as we stay strong as a union, we'll do that because people have jobs, mm-hmm. but when times are good, we want to see those types of, of gains that we've worked so hard return, right? Mm. Or return to the level that they were before. 
And mm-hmm. that's how strikes happen. Right, right. And I, I just want to interject and also point out that, I mean, if you don't know, um, UAW is a large union. They know what they're doing. And you, you never, I think you kind of hinted at this without saying it. Like, I, I always oversimplify things, and that is, you never go zero to strike. It's not like someone woke up someday and was pissed off and said, we're going to strike. Yeah. There's a lot of steps that led up to this point. Like you said, uh, failed negotiations, impasse. Um, I'm sure they did everything possible in between those steps. Like uh, in uh, my union, the union you used to be part of, they have like, I don't know, 10 to 15 things you do before it leads up to union. Or sorry, it leads up to a strike. Sorry. Um, so if you get to a point where you're striking, like UAW has, like the GE workers, um, were striking in Erie, I think last year, um, a lot of bad, I mean, there there was a lot of effort that leads up to that point. So it's not like they just got pissed off one day and said, we're going to strike. And I know a lot of conservatives are going to sit there and think, oh, those greedy libtards just want something for nothing. They've been going through their... CBA and their collective bargaining rights the best way they know how and you know in the day and age where we have record profits record CEO pay and you know I mean those things happen on the backs of their work so if the company you're working for is striving that well you have to you know for lack of a better term trickle it down to the workers because they're the ones making it happen for you so so yeah Long story short, strike just didn't happen out of thin air. I mean, there's a lot of processes that led up to this. So the fact that they're there and they're on day three means they put in a lot of time and effort to not have it happen because no one wants to strike. I mean, I mean, there are some people out there, believe me, I know. Um, I, I've done my fair share of union work for a long time. I've been on a picket line, not for my union, but for another one um, just this year, actually. Um, very few people are abrasive enough that always want to go there, but that's a very small minority. So, oh, it is very, it's very, uh, there, there are often times that even when, um, we're in negotiations or we're leading up to negotiations, that's, um, the, the other side, the administration, the management is not, is not relenting on any, on anything, right? They're not they're not willing to even listen to the discussions and there are tactics and there are things that we um, as workers can do um, to elevate this into this type of level or this type of intensity, I should say. And workers, um, those have been there a long time are just like, well, I'm not willing to do that yet. I'm not willing to do that yet. Mm -hmm. So when you do see this happen, it's a very, very, very big deal because Let's let's take a snapshot of history for a second, right? And let's say, hey, what what did strikes used to look like before? Because a very 1920, actually, say more of a 20th century strike um, and 21st century strike looks very much like us in picket lines, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very cool, and that's like you know, there's like a lot of solidarity. There's people outside marching outside of the of of the plant or the restaurant or the whatever their station is that they're dealing with, right? A lot of that, right? And you see that. But just to go back, there were strikes that happened within the UAW that happened on the floor. 
of the actual place that you were working. So imagine that, you know, and strike history, you have to think of it this way. It was so, so, so critical that you could not even discuss the idea of a union, that you had to meet such in secret and public that you get caught and beat up and your family can be thrown out of their house type of thing, that that they had to make it look like you weren't doing anything innocuous, right? That you were just like, oh, I'm just here talking, going pee, right? Or washing my hands or, you know what I mean, and, you know, doing my daily job or whatever. Mm-hmm while mentioning the idea of union and what you're going to do next, right? Because those are some of the few times that you can talk about it, that you were together, Mm -hmm. right? Without being seen together outside of work. So in the 1930s, when they would strike on the floor, where they would have a sit down, imagine, imagine, right? Union workers at a, let's say a college. And what they do is, is, uh, is um, environmental sanitation work there, right? They Mm -hmm. sit down at their job. What that look like, right? Or teachers would sit down at their job and not do anything, mm-hmm. sit at their desk. Those are the type of strikes that would happen before. So there are there are these you know gains and there's this awareness and and things that have happened now. And here we are, UAW, you know, on their third third longest, actually their longest strike of three days as of today. Well, four, because it's it's midnight. Here where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> so it's probably four days now. It's Thursday. And now. so it's 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 um I'm I'm glad to see labor flexing their muscle in, in the time of um uh the administration and the national nation uh national uh relation uh, labor board labor board that's out there, the national labor board. Um so what do you yeah. think, Uppy? It's absolutely necessary. Um, I, I touched on it before. We're living in a day and age where CEO pay is out of control. Um, record profits for the top 1%. The rich keep getting richer, and there's nothing wrong through rewarding your employees for their hard work. And that's all they're wanting. They're not, I mean, I, I know there's a faction of people out here who don't listen to this podcast. Um, who will they see us? Oh, you know, these people are greedy. They're greedy. They're greedy. But, um, Let's put in a sports term, you know, like Shaquille O'Neal used to point out. I was like, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of black guys in the NBA making tons of money, generational wealth. But who's signing their paychecks? <laughs> you know, yeah. a bunch of richer white guys, you know, like, and I, I'm not making it about race, but it's just, you know, you might think the worker is greedy for wanting a few bucks more per hour. But just think about the person signing their checks who is beyond wealth of all wealth who just got huge tax breaks that are ruining the um, country's economy. So that's one thing I can say is, you know, they're not greedy. They're just asking for their fair share for what they do for their company. And their their companies are extremely wealthy and they can afford to pay their workers better. And it could have all been avoided and it, it all comes down to greed it's just it's not the workers' greed; it's the the uh, employers' greed that's causing this. Yeah. Okay. People are greedy. We're all greedy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, all, we all we all we all want we want right. Um, but let's let's look at. I think it's very important to look at what they're asking for. Okay. It's mm. it's not even what they're asking for. In their negotiated agreement or their 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 CBA, right? Hmm. They've asked for fair wages, affordable health care, a share of the profits, 
job security defined by a uh, path to a senior job security. And then there's a definite there's, they want to define the process of seniority for those who are temporary workers, mm-hmm. which make up a very, a, a small percentage of their workforce, but still there are those that they're relying on because those temporary workers, they don't have to pay healthcare. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't have to pay um, these defined benefits to them. Right. <laughs> And oftentimes yeah. these temporary workers could be paid far less because they're temporary. You're going to only be there for a short amount of time, or sometimes they could be paid a little bit better than anybody else, but there's no guarantees for them. They right. get hurt. You're gone. They don't like you. You're gone. Mm-hmm. Right. They can say you were stealing or give an attitude. You're gone. Right. For- there's no, there's no process to them being disciplined. There's no process to them being let go. Boom. It's yeah. a it's a a right to work situation for them. They yeah, had a right to work, right to work for less. Right, the money is nice. You're getting paid seventeen or twenty five versus the seventeen you would get. But at that seventeen, guess what? You're only paying like what three percent on your health. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got a freaking uh, one of the best freaking disciplinary um, contracts processes in the world. Where, where they can't just fire you because all of a sudden you copped an attitude or, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to hurry up and do this because we're behind on the line. But I might get hurt type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. there's all these there's all these protections involved in our CBA that a lot of um, non-union workers don't see right. until it happens to them. Right. And so that's what they're they're fighting for. Their their um, their contracted bargaining agreement is up as of 2015. That was their last one. We're in 2019. Oh, yeah. Four so years. Not a deal. That's not bad. That's a long. Yeah, but no. Yeah, but but you have to remember though. Look, look. Prior to that, they were also dealing with the Great Recession. So hmm. there were a lot of there were a lot of of um of things that they were going back on they were saying okay we we won't we won't push for we won't push for pension we won't push for better wages we won't push for this we won't push for these things right because they're saying well you know profits down and we're barely hanging on and we don't want to close another plant let's you know let's let's agree to those and um we'll keep your health at three percent or four percent you know which is Dang near nothing. Imagine you don't pay anything for your premium. Like, imagine all that comes out of your paycheck is fifty dollars, and yep. and you don't pay any copays. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't pay any prescriptions, right? You just pay fifty dollars out of your paycheck, and you can go to the doctors whenever you want. Yeah. Um, well, what you said was nice, but what you said also sounds like an agreement to me, and they they didn't have one. So, I mean, I've negotiated those CBAs where. Uh, I think just three years ago, we took a 0% raise with a, like, 2% bonus. That happened not that long ago um, where I work. So, to me, it's just kind of crazy. I think you can be four years with an expired contract. That's just nuts. Yeah, I I really highly doubt. I don't want to, um, I don't want to speculate and or put anything into QAW's uh, mouth, and I hope that they've done everything, which I believe they have done mm-hmm. the right way where they've, everything was written down. 
everything said, hey, we're not going to do this. And the general management on one side and the negotiation team on the other side agreed and they signed off and said, you know, we're going to come back to the table, which generally happens. OK, so mm-hmm. for, for people to think like, well, how can you get to this point and this doesn't work? Well, agreements happen a lot and people break agreements. Yeah, they break them and and, and they do it knowingly going uh, saying to themselves, are these fuckers going to challenge us? Mm-hmm. You know, are they going to come for us? Okay. Are, are you little workers are going to come for us? People that are worth 10 billion, billion dollars. Okay. 10 mm-hmm. billion dollars. Right. Right. That's how much the company is worth pre-tax. Okay. Mm. That was before even the tax plan happened under, under president Trump. Okay. So that's what it's looking like. Plus, on top of that, there are some closures within North America that they're looking at, what they're calling the restructuring plan, which they're hoping, they're hoping within within the restructure plan of, of these plant closures that they're going to save six billion dollars in cash savings, four point five billion in cost and ca- um, cost reduction, and another one point five billion in capital expenditures. Eleven billion dollars. They're hoping to save. So when you save a living eleven billion dollars, you're hoping to gain eleven billion dollars, mm-hmm. right? Twenty billion dollars they're hoping to be up next year, and then another ten or eleven on top of that because they don't they're not going to have to pay that again, and so they're not up again. Mm-hmm. This, I believe, shows the problem with capitalism. Every three months, every quarter, you have to show how are you making money for your for your 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 board, right? The ones that are investing millions and billions of dollars, mm-hmm. they want that money. They want it three months. In three months, I want to say how much more you're going to give me. Or in three months, how much have you done before then? Mm-hmm. Or another three months again. Show me where you're at. So of course, the first thing they do is what? They fucking cut labor. Screw the worker. Yeah. The yeah, they screw the worker. Just thirty in our yeah. lifetime. It used to be about the worker. You know, right? Everything was a long term thing. Now it's like you said, every three months it's always about what have we done this quarter? And if you didn't do well enough, then you're on MSNBC and you have uh, Jim Cramer saying, Oh no, they didn't meet projections, oh no, sell, buy, whatever, you know. You know, the shit my dad watches. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm at a loss. I mean, like you said, their way of making $10 billion is a way of cutting $10 million, and they're doing it um, at the expense of the people who are making them that money to begin with. And these people just want a good-paying job and have a decent life and get by still probably being middle class. I mean, the people who are getting hurt on by this are not people who are – Rich as fuck, you know? They're not. No, no. And 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 their healthy and family here, they care about. Yeah, well and and also here's the thing. They don't they don't exactly live in healthy states, right? This is Kansas City, Missouri right now. Um right. And then you got Lansing, Michigan, you got Detroit, you got very bad areas that these these places are in. And so for 
um, unions to fight for their right to live. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it to them. They're they're hanging on. They're they're like the beacon. They're the bastion of hope of where they're at. Yeah, I you can't agree for Detroit, but I don't think East Lansing and Kansas City are terrible places to be. I mean, having been in one of those two cities, um, Kansas City didn't seem terrible in my opinion. Yeah, but you don't live there every day. <laughs> Nor do I. I'm just making assumptions. I mean, I'm just I'm, saying. I'm just saying. I've been there at least. I mean, I don't. Think yeah, you, I'm just I saying. I mean, but even but even if it's not a bad place to live, I just want to say that your 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 life and your luxury. Mm-hmm. I mean, luxury of life. You're just living. Should not be cut in half or cut in third because. The company didn't make the quarterly expect expectations that they thought they would from last year, mm-hmm. and therefore, um, five hundred people need to lose their job because labor is the first thing you can cut, exactly. um, and then we'll move to automation, or mm-hmm. and or you decide, hey, you know what, we're going to move to this new te- technology. Um, we're just going to hire straight from the outside instead of saying we're going to train from the inside. We're going to move those guys that we already know that know the company that know the value of our, of our product. And we're going to move them up. We're going to train them and we're going to do it that way. A lot of these companies now prior to um, about 1970 or so, I would say they relied, um, they did not rely on the state for, for um, transition of of knowledge right Mm -hmm. it was all them they they work they train they retained their workers this is what they did right this is what made america's economy so strong during those years of union membership right because Mm -hmm. that's the way it happened if you wanted someone to work in your plant and you're like i want them to do exactly this what do you do you train them you hire it and you train them. After that, they're saying, well, you know what? It's the state's obligation for them to do it. Why should we have to spend money to make this happen? And this is where we're at now because um, it's it's sad that now that they, that they rely on that. But only rely on that. They also rely on the fact that um, if we don't pay you enough, guess what? The state's going to pick up your welfare. The state will pick up your medical expenses. The state will pick up the food expenses. The mm-hmm. state will pick up all these other things because um, I'm going to make sure you make just enough, but then the state will pick up the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. on top of the fact that, hey, you know what? Guess what? If you want me to stay here and offer 5,000 jobs or 1,500 jobs or 3,000 jobs, you're going to give me a tax break, a very mm-hmm. large tax break on top of that, right? And you're not mm-hmm. going to charge me for my capital expenses. You're not going to charge me for all these things. And I'm basically going to live here rent-free and um, and only pay you guys minimum wage. But hey, I'm giving you jobs. I'm giving you jobs. And guess what? My friend down the street just opened a 99-cent store. Now you guys can buy some food because I'm bringing a 99-cent store in or a general dollar store. Yeah. That's sounds like, how it fucks. Sounds like we just got into Walmart territory here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so you want to take a break or what do you want to do? You want to get some more numbers out of this or what? 
Nah, you know what? We're at 31 minutes. We're probably at a 45 minute show. I, I say let's just keep rolling with it and go a little bit longer, then end it when it needs to be ended. I guess. Okay. Well, let's go <laughs> so. more on the numbers. Let's talk about what's going on with them because I think it's, again, I feel it's very important because we, we have a lot of union um, people in this state. Um, when you go on strike, though, as well as like you lose uh, your pay, right? But mm-hmm. um, the union kicks in. The UAW uh, does have a fund that um, that you contribute to. So it's not just given out. This is not just some money that's just given willy nilly. People pay into this. This is this is a fund. This people drop money to this pot. That's about two hundred and fifty dollars a week that goes towards covering the premiums and health insurance, right? So those can still get involved. But let me let me raise a larger point to this health insurance and this premium of two fifty that uh, UAW gets. It's this. Um, just this week alone. Uh, a, General Motors decided to cut off all insurance to those who were striking without mm-hmm. notification. Without notification, right? Mm-hmm. So we have these presidential candidates that are out here saying, oh, we don't need this Medicare for all. We don't need this style of uh, health insurance because you can keep your employer plan, right? Well, guess what? The employer just fucked you and you have no plan. This gives the biggest case for Medicare for all that you'll ever get, ever, ever see in today's terms than right now. Ever. Right? This is it. This shows you exactly why we need a Medicare for all because we're too reliant on this employer uh, relationship on, on, on our insurance. I, I think I, I don't want to go too far down this hole. Um, I didn't watch the most recent debates but i watched the previous ones they seem pretty evenly split between you're either gonna do everyone's on the same system or some sort of private public mix where you can choose to keep your private if you want or have a public option if you choose so i don't mm-hmm. think anyone is dead set i mean as far as the democrat side goes i don't think and correct me if I'm wrong, that any of them are dead set on keeping private only. I, I think the worst I've heard is some sort of hybrid where you still have the haves and haves nots where those who can afford private who want to stay private can and those who want public can have public. But I don't think anyone's out there advocating to keep solely employer-based health care. No, no, there is. Um it's it's the saying of like if you like your insurance you keep it right mm-hmm. but but again this gives the largest credence and the biggest um, I would say argument for of why a Medicare for all is needed right oh sure sure absolutely I agree with that right part, yeah. it's, it's because mm-hmm. because in, in employer based healthcare people are like well you like your employer based. Yeah, all those who like their employer-based healthcare have been there for a while, and or their union mm-hmm. or their workers have fought for a very strong and, and healthcare system that they you know that they like. Right. But here, here's the thing: like these these healthcare systems are not going to go away. They're not leaving automatically. No. Right. What what the Medicare for all? When the Medicare for all is saying like, look. You're going to offer these services, and you're going to offer these services at this price. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
You're not going to make any money off of us. You're going to do exactly what you're supposed to do. But again, my thing is like, how does health insurance agencies get to tell you what a health co- health outcome is, you know, at the end of the day? And so I digress. Anyways, right. let's go back to where you <laughs> digress. Some of you need stuff. But um, again, them just them just cutting off people off of their employer health insurance because they decide to do what's in their legal rights mm-hmm. gives the biggest the biggest uh, argument for a Medicare for all option. Right. Option, okay. You can still right. keep yeah. your health, yeah. but they're still in Medicare for all. So if they want mm-hmm. to leave their system and go for should I would go for that one instead? Because yeah. when I worked, yeah, because <laughs> when I worked when I worked at the college and 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 um, Kaiser would raise their rates one way or the other. Um, luckily, we had a really great plan, but not all the colleges had that great plan, or not all the school districts have that great plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a scam altogether. It's about who you know, who's married to who, and how much of a good benefit are you going to get. Um, when you decide to put your package together for your 5,000 employees or your 10,000 employees at a public institution, that's how it happens and nothing else. Mm -hmm. All right. And so it's all about making money. And if these healthcare industries are making money, we're losing. We lose big time. Okay. So um, what else is it? Okay, one last thing before we leave or uh, before we switch to another subject, because I, I know we are. Um, just to let you know, the Detroit Hambrick or Hamtrek, excuse me, assembly plant is scheduled for closure. Um, it's one of the uh, part of their restructuring plan. There's about 1,500 employees that might lose their job. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure on how many of those will be transferred or moved in the transitional phase. Um, but that's quite a bit of jobs. Um, all together, they're looking about the whole North American restructure plan, about 8,000 jobs being lost. Mm. 8,000. Take that, you fucking make America great again, bastards. Right? We're losing 8,000 fucking jobs. And you just passed one of the fucking biggest tax reliefs in the United States history for corporations, and we're still losing 8,000 jobs. Uncle Dom will take care of us in the end. The evangelical said so. <laughs> I, know I don't know. With that one. <laughs> I'm shaking. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. I think we should take a quick break. It, it was MAGA, um, but it was just not MAGA for people like us. No, it wasn't. Sadly, sadly, the people who need to hear that are not the people who will either A, be listening or be persuaded otherwise. Yeah. Because I've fought yeah. with those people enough on Facebook over the years. Um, they're in that camp. They're going to stay in that camp. Nothing can keep them from it. So, yeah. yeah keep, room, keep room for the big guy who doesn't give a shit about you because that's really what it comes down to. And that's all he cares about. He never cared about you. You really think no. some rich fake billionaire from New York City really gives a shit about you, you know, you farmer there in Des Moines, Iowa. No, he never gave a crap about you. He never will. Shame on you for believing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we, got, we got about 10 minutes or so. Do you got another subject? Do you want to maybe 
make it more positive on the way out or you want to keep it negative nancy style or what, what do you no, want to do no negative nancy let's do uh let's do positive i want to give a shout out to all the firefighters out there battling all the blazes within california and mm-hmm. central valley and stuff i truly appreciate what you do about 0.9 of a mile from my um in-laws house there was a fire and you guys did a very freaking awesome job, even though the times that you don't do an awesome job that maybe people <laughs> might see that awesome. But what can you do? You're, you're, you're battling a, um, you're battling nature, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we always, um, don't, we, we can't, we don't, it's human versus nature. And what are you going to do? You know, so are but you shout saying, out to you guys. are you saying that you can't nuke a wildfire? Apparently no, you, can nuke, I can, you can nuke a hurricane, I hear, but you can't nuke a no, wildfire? No, no, I just want them to rake the leaves. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Rake but the you, leaves you know the sad, you, you know the sad part about that is? <laughs> if that's what you want done, I promise you, no naturalized white citizen is going to take that job. You need the illegals to come in and do it, because they will, for way less pay than they deserve. So... Yeah, Do you want to open a border or not? That's all I'm yeah, saying. And, yeah, documented will come in here and we'll break the leaves off the floor yeah. because that's what, you know, that's what has to be done to save our state. But nobody else will do it because nobody else wants to get paid six dollars an hour or whatever. Right. You know, whatever they decide <laughs> to offer. You know, to, to the state to save to save the state of California or <laughs> any other state. No, um, but shout out to them because they they did mm-hmm. do a lot, and um, I've witnessed. Um, uh, the effort that they've done before mm-hmm. past and future. Um, so shout out to them, man. You guys have done, you're doing a great job and I'm glad that, um, our environmental hazards are keeping you employed. Right. Job security. <laughs> and climate change will make sure you still have a job many years to come. Uh, All right. All but right. yeah, thank, thank you for your selfless, uh, public act because, um, Someone's got to do it, and I'm glad you all do. Yeah, you guys give up your time from home mm-hmm. and work, and well, you just your job, but you time for <laughs> right. Home. That's your, but you know, but they're they're gone on short notices. Like um, uh, they often do have schedules where there's time they they switch in and out, but mm-hmm. sometimes they're called in and God, they're gone, yeah. and then you're gone until another one, and then you're gone to another one, you're gone to another one, and so. You're just kind of switching out, you know, here and there and mm-hmm. 21 days out before you know it. You're sometimes 30 days. You're not even back home yet, you know. Right. So, so uh, I give it to you guys. Thank you for all you do for California. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Firefighters. We love you. I say, yeah, we can never repay you, but I pay taxes. So I can repay you. And I do. And I'm yeah. okay with it. Every year. <laughs> <laughs> so. Every year. Every year, <laughs> so stash. Um, just uh, I just want to say real quick uh, before the parting words, uh, it's great to get to do the regular thing again after all the specials we've done lately. So, got any parting words? Um, I hope that General Motors uh, negotiation teams reaches an agreement, and if you do, I hope the UAW sticks to the three percent healthcare cost because it's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, we are all standing in solidarity with you guys, the UAW, uh, 652 local. We're here for you. We stand in solidarity. If I could be there marching in Kansas city, Missouri, I'd be there with you as well. Yeah. UAW just, uh, keep fighting the good fight. 
Uh, don't back down. Um, you know what you're doing, so just keep doing it and make sure your employees get what they deserve. And uh, with that said, uh, we are out of here. It is late. It is 1.15 in the morning, our time. And uh, until next week, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Good night. to die.